Hello, this is Dean Hess, Managing Editor of Respiratory Care. We are pleased that this month's podcast is sponsored by Massimo. Pulse oximetry is a commonly used monitoring technology for assessing oxygen saturation and pulse rate. But for many years, traditional pulse oximetry was plagued by unreliability when it was needed most, during patient motion and low perfusion. Massimo overcame this challenge with Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET. With its ability to measure through motion and low perfusion, Massimo SET has opened new frontiers in patient monitoring during challenging conditions, helping clinicians improve patient outcomes. Visit Massimo.com to learn more. And now let's hear what is in the December issue of the journal. Hello, and welcome to the Respiratory Care Editor's Commentary and Podcast. This is Rich Branson. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Respiratory Care. This month's Editor's Choice is a retrospective review of the rate of occult hypoxemia in over 7,500 subjects to determine the impact of race and skin pigment on oximetry accuracy. Chesley and colleagues evaluated over 100,000 paired observations of arterial oxygen saturation and pulse oximetry saturation in a mixed race population. Occult hypoxemia, defined as an SAO2, less than 88% when SPO2 was between 92 and 96%. They found occult hypoxemia was 2.5 times more common in subjects who self-identified as black, and two-thirds of all measurements demonstrated a 4% or greater difference between SAO2 and SPO2. The authors recommend a pulse oximetry value of 94 to 98% in all patients to reduce occult hypoxemia. Moore and others provide an accompanying commentary reviewing the well-known impact of skin pigment on oximeter accuracy. They point out that self-identification of race is an unreliable substitute for skin pigment and that retrospective reviews of data where timing of the ABG samples and recording of SpO2 complicate these comparisons. Moradell suggests that mitigation strategies should include not relying on a single SAO2-SPO2 relationship and that care should be taken when using SPO2 to define cutoffs for therapeutic decisions such as made with the ROCKS index. Finally, they urge harmonization of data and prospective data collection to get good definitions of how frequently this occult hypoxemia occurs. This has become an issue that's important both clinically as well as in the lay press looking at the possibility that pulse oximeters don't serve black or dark skin pigment patients very well um, in allowing this occult hypoxemia. This was first noted by Gibran and Tobin back in 1990. I think that we'll see changes in the way pulse oximetry accuracy is reported currently as the root mean square, which is not an easy um, statistic to understand, and it should give respiratory therapists pause about how confident they are in the value of the SpO2 reading. If it's 94, it might be 90, and it might be 98, and that's just within two standard deviations. I think we all need to think about, there are times when arterial blood gases do have complications, but they have important um, clinical information to provide us. Marty and others evaluated mechanical insufflation exufflation in a porcine model using eight combinations of inspiratory and expiratory pressures. They measured mucus displacement, respiratory flows, respiratory mechanics, and hemodynamics. Velocity and direction of mucus movement was measured using a simulant 
containing radiopaque markers. In all cases, MIE increased mucus velocity with the plus 40 minus 70 being the most effective, increasing mucus velocity almost fivefold. This deliver the flow slowly in and fast out, the so-called expiratory flow bias was shown by Volpe several years ago in the journal um, and is critically important if you're trying to, um, to move mucus cephalid. They found no safety issues. Tenopolis comments that MIE represents a method of secretion clearance that mim mimics the body's normal mechanism, the cough. He suggests that patient positioning, standard ventilator settings, hemodynamic status, and prevention of derecruitment all impact secretion and the selection of a clearance strategy. Respiratory therapists spend an inordinate amount of time trying to improve secretion clearance and often with techniques that don't have a good evidence base. Um, I look forward to seeing how we can use MIE in critically ill patients, which of course, big concerns in patients who have the need for PEEP and alveolar derecruitment where high expiratory pressures are gonna be contraindicated. Moshers and others evaluated the outcomes and risk factors for non-invasive ventilation in subjects hospitalized for COPD exacerbation. They retrospectively reviewed 427 subjects in whom the failure rate was 12%. The medium time to failure was eight hours while success occurred at 16 hours. So in this case, eight hour, within eight hours, patients need to be intubated or at 16 hours, they can de decrease the use of NIV or switch to regular oxygen therapy. Increased age, body mass index, creatinine and bicarbonate were associated with NIV failure and requirement for persistent treatment. Devarage and colleagues opine that this data argues for early close observation of patients on NIV to avoid delays in intubation, which are associated with poorer outcomes. Pesamente et al. describe a competence-based simulation to improve orientation success in a pediatric facility. They provided a nine-week orientation program with simulation-based competence in 90 new staff. Two-thirds of new graduates advanced to ICU training following the program. They concluded that competence-based simulation helped complete successful orientation. Calardo et al. retrospectively compared high-flow nasal cannula to standard oxygen therapy in 84 subjects with COVID-19. Subjects were age and sex-matched pairs. Use of high-flow nasal cannula was not an independent predictor of endotracheal intubation after adjusting for confounders. They concluded that high-flow nasal cannula did not offer an advantage over standard oxygen therapy in this analysis. This is a, going to be a controversial study as there have been other studies suggesting that hypo-nasal cannula because of the improved comfort and higher FiO2 actually helped reduce patients who required invasive ventilation. Baydorf, Casis, and others performed a crossover study comparing adaptive pressure ventilation to adaptive support ventilation in 20 patients with ARDS over a subject period of one to two hours. The primary outcome was tidal volume corrected for ideal body weight, Secondary outcomes included driving pressure, respiratory mechanics, gas exchange, and mechanical power following crossover. There was no significant difference in measured ASV values, and ASV did provide a lower tidal volume as the compliance was diminished. These, these two techniques are both use uh, pressure-regulated volume control mode. So in both cases, the breasts are changing the airway pressure to meet a desired tidal volume. So these small differences are not surprising. Plot and Cal performed a bench study of heated humidifiers used to deliver, used to deliver high flow nasal cannula, evaluating the impact of different devices and circuits across a range of flows from 30 to 100 liters a minute. 
delivered temperatures and humidity were higher across devices in the invasive versus the non-invasive mode of operation. They concluded that flows greater than 50 milliliters a minute, invasive mode of operation should be selected. So these are the use of standard humidifiers that you might typically use for mechanical ventilation, not devices that are made specifically for high flow nasal cannula. Um, and in other parts of the world, we, they don't always have the choice of a special humidifier to do high flow nasal cannula. Korczynski and coworkers prospectively evaluated whether the clinical pulmonary infection score or SOFA score greater than two can predict pneumonia in subjects after cardiothoracic surgery. They used derivation and validation cohorts and calculated the area on the receiver operating characteristic curve for each. They found no advantage of adding an increase of greater than two in the SOFA score for prediction of patients developing postoperative pneumonia. Condo et al. performed a bench evaluation of particle release properties of two blister pack dry powder inhalers. They compared particle release volume and peak inspiratory flow of the DPIs as well as the resistance of each and reported differences in required inspiratory flows and the resulting differences in particle volume. These investigators concluded that in patients with more severe disease, a DPI requiring a lower inspiratory flow would be desirable. Cullum et al. interviewed respiratory therapists who had participated in withdrawal of advanced life-sustaining therapies. Interviews were recorded, transcribed, and evaluated. They identified three themes, including the impact of power relationships during the process, required tools to provide withdrawal of support and emotional exposure. These findings provide a framework for improving the experience and the knowledge of RTs participating in withdrawal of life support. In many cases, the therapists um, were often asked to participate in withdrawal of life support, disconnecting the ventilator, but had not been included in the planning, um, which is a oversight on behalf of the critical care team. Strickland and others provide a qualitative analysis of burnout among respiratory therapists during the COVID-19 pandemic. Using a post hoc analysis of a survey of RT burnout, they reported five overarching themes. These included staffing, workload, physical emotional consequences, lack of effective leadership, and lack of respect. The authors concluded that these areas can be targeted for improvement. Roberts and others described the well-being of respiratory therapists in a single academic health center during COVID-19. They analyzed a quarterly survey using thematic analysis. In this cohort, 75% of respiratory therapists experienced burnout and over half reported symptoms of depression. They identified staffing challenges, safety concerns, both for therapists and patients, workplace conflict, and lack of work-life balance as precursors for burnout. They concluded that institutions should design and implement strategies to reduce burnout among respiratory therapists, especially these days when there's a shortage of respiratory therapists in general. Acho and others evaluated the impact of a one-day mechanical ventilation course on the ability of respiratory therapists to interpret ventilator waveforms and identify asynchrony. RTs with less experience had the greatest improvement in their scores. The authors concluded that respiratory therapists may benefit from additional training in ventilator waveform interpretation early in their careers. The optimal length and content of training needs to be elucidated. Dupree and others to provide a short report comparing two types of masks for oxygen delivery. They described the double trunk mask, a mask with two pieces of aerosol tubing connected to the exhaust ports placed over top of high flow nasal cannula and their experience this device improved oxygenation while conserving oxygen flow. Zong and L described the use of high flow nasal cannula for COVID-19 subjects cared for on the general floor. 
They found that high flow nasal cannula provided on the floors reduced ICU crowding and was safe and effective. Quach et al. provide a narrative review regarding underrepresentation of respiratory therapists as experts in Delphi studies of respiratory care practices and research. They found that RTs were rarely included as expert participants when involved or minimally, minimally represented. We appreciate you for subscribing to this podcast and reading the journal. We look forward to interacting with you in future, perhaps you submitting a paper to the journal here in the near future. Um, thank you. Best regards. To receive the content of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues. Thank you.